Welcome to Miracles in Recovery with Ray Lynch. If you are one of the millions of people facing addiction issues or the loved one of someone who is, we're here to help and to discuss solutions. Hope is in your corner. Now, here's your host, Ray Lynch. Good evening and welcome to Miracles in Recovery. It is another beautiful day in paradise. I think we had a little bit of rain today. I'm not sure, but it's just God washing his streets, I guess. Um, I'm in the studio alone again. My blind co-host is at home. <laughs> <laughs> what, what did they, dilate your eyes this afternoon? Yes. Yes, I, uh, I actually had a minor surgery on my right eye. And what did uh, you they have, dilated what did you have done? and I cannot see right now. What did you have done? Well, I had, um, I don't know if you know the components of the eye, but several years ago I had vitreous humor detachments. There's uh-huh. an aqueous and a vitreous humor in your eye, and the vitreous detached from the retina, and it left a lot of fluid that is very difficult to see through. So they were trying to laser away that fluid so that I can see better. Oh, I got so you. So I'm hoping that it worked. <clears throat> I'm going blind in one eye myself, so I, you know, I, I feel your pain. I, I, I'm looking now. I find myself like walking through a store, and if I have to look in at any specific object, I'm closing one eye because I get a better. Uh, it, it's tough getting old, I guess, right? Yeah, it really is. This is because of my severe myopia. I'm very nearsighted. I was until I had cataract surgery, uh-huh. which corrected the vision, but I still had this gunk in my eyes and as oh, I've gotten yeah. older it appears to be getting worse so and initially they wouldn't do anything but now we're trying this and hopefully it'll get some of that scum out of the way so I can see <laughs> so so like I said I'm in the studio and and gunky eye is at home <laughs> <laughs> next week I, I promise I'll be there yeah if, if, we're, if we're all still around I mean last week we missed last week I was uh, um Dropping my daughter off at the airport, and um, chaos ensued. I would have been home in time, but um, I don't know when they started this. But you know, just as a as a warning to people that are listening out there that haven't uh, experienced it, she was flying from Florida to California, and going across country, they changed the time from needing to be there one hour to an hour and a half. So if you get there well, underneath that hour and a half window, she was there with well in an hour, an hour, the normal time that we thought. And the woman at the window said, yeah, you weren't within the curve of the hour and a half, so we can't guarantee your bags will make it. She said, you can, and she has two babies with her, so she can't not fly with her luggage. So she called me and said, um, they're not going to let me through. And I said, oh, that's okay, because... Your car won't start. I'm stuck outside the door where I left you. <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> so, Did she actually get on the plane? No, no, she couldn't get on the plane. Yeah. She didn't want to. She well, she didn't want to bring her back the next morning. She didn't want to leave, um, and not have a guarantee that her bags would make. I mean, she has a you know a three year old and a six month old with her. She couldn't not get to the other side and not have their luggage. You know. Well, what's the reason for the hour and a half? What difference does it make? They're just going to load it on a plane. I I don't know. I I don't know. They said they they said it was it was uh you know this certain carrier maybe I'm not sure but they said it the it changed January 18th. Um, 
that you need an hour and a half if you're flying cross country. I don't know what they consider cross country. Is Chicago cross country? Who knows? You know, I mean, I, think that's I don't crazy. know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I could see if it was international. It's always it always had that window because it ha- your stuff has to go through um, customs. But to go from Florida to the, uh, from uh, Fort Lauderdale to San Francisco, come on. But anyway, yeah. I mean, we're, we're we're here and and they made it and they're visiting the fire region of Redding, California, right now. Um, oh my goodness. Yeah, so she says it's very sad, very sad over there to see, you know, to see um, places that, like images that I have in my mind, she said, are no longer there. You know, like a road we drive up uh, up a mountainside to uh, get to a house that they stay at is all burnt out. There's no, there's no more trees. It's all just barren burn, you know, and I, I just can't picture that in my mind. Yeah, I know. It's very difficult. If you ever go yeah. there again, you probably won't know where you are. Well, it'll look definitely. It'll definitely look different. I mean, we see when we when we have the fires here in Florida, and they're going up and down. You know, they're ninety five, and they're jumping across the highway, and it burns acreage of trees. We see that. I mean, this this is a hundred and ninety five acres in this in this one fire. That and then there's another one in L A. that is like two hundred and sixty five. Uh, thousand acres or something like that. That's crazy. Yeah, they have such a hard time with that out there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess, I guess, in with with me having a little bit of a cold and you not being able to see, I guess we can grab gratitude that you know our lives are okay compared to you know anyone else we want to look at because we can always we can always find fault with our life but i can always find gratitude because i'm much more grateful that i'm me today than than some of the other people that i encounter during the day oh i know i know there's a, there's a lot of pain out there yeah yeah so there's i have this article that yeah i have this article um it came from awarenessact.com um, it was a, a website that I was looking at, and the name, the title is "Addiction Begins with a cho- with a Choice That You Make." That's why it isn't a disease. Okay, so put that in your head, and you see what you see where this where this article is going to go. It makes absolute sense, and you know we've had conversations before about. Um, you know, addiction being a disease or not a disease or this and that and the other thing. And, you know, I, I totally get addiction being called a disease for for funding purposes when they first started doing it. But when you listen, when you read this, um, the person who wrote it kind of makes a little sense. And, you know, I, we're not here to argue whether it's a disease or not, but maybe um, it's just something good to talk about because it'll it'll help us uh, fill some time. It says, sure, addiction seems to be quite a hot topic at the moment, and many people have their own views when it comes to whether or not it is a disease. While you might not think it is a choice calling it a disease, it is not cut and dry. You might want to read on. Addiction can and does destroy people's lives and families. It is a damning thing 
for anyone to go through, but if firsthand, oh, be it firsthand or having to watch a loved one go through it. That being said, it does not necessarily meet the requirements of a disease at all. I recently came across a paper published in the CMA that must be something medical, like a, like the journal, um, like the mass kind of medical, medical journal, CMA journal, yeah. That went over how addiction is not a disease, and it really put things in perspective for me. Addiction begins with a choice, a choice of whether or not you will take a substance put in front of you. Once you make that decision to give that drug a try, you are creating your own prison. Um, which is which well, is very true. Sort of true. Yeah. Yeah. No. It it, it 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 absolutely is true. And then it says here you can actually even go as far as to say addiction is more so a self-inflicted mental illness. The paper, which was that CMAJ, mentioned above wrote as followed in regards to addiction not being a disease. Okay, let me find it here. Addiction does not meet the criteria specified for a core disease entity, namely the presence of a primary measurable deviation from psychologic or analogic norm. Addiction is is self-acquired and is not transmittable, contagious, autoimmune, hereditary, degenerative, or traumatic. Treatment consists of little more than stopping a given behavior. Okay, so we can stop reading right there Um, for now. Those words are all true. You know, those words are all absolutely true. Now, taken at face value, um, everyone and anyone can look at those words and say, Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, self-inflicting, yeah, um, but you know, with the, with the, you know, it's not it's not transmittable. You can't transmit um, addiction. It's a choice. Well, but there are other diseases that are not transmittable too. I mean, you know, my favorite being diabetes. And I'm right. not sure, but I believe that there have been scientific studies that have found a genetic link. You know, you either have the, the addiction gene, which means when you are introduced to a substance or substances, you know, you're going to begin craving them, unlike someone who doesn't have that particular gene. You but if you never, but if you never, right, but if you never engage in a, a substance, that would never, that wouldn't be triggered. It would be like if, you know, that little old lady up in the hill um, doesn't know that she's a sinner because she doesn't know what sin is. If you were that little old lady up in the hill and you had the quote-unquote addiction gene and never um, woke it up, then how could you call yourself an addict or how can you say you have a disease? I think the disease is just not active in those people. And I think there are personality traits that seem to ring true for most alcoholics and addicts. And I'm including in those, you know, people who overeat, people who gamble, right. you know, all of that. It's not just like, being introduced to a substance. And then you also have the people who were given specific drugs by physicians for pain control and whatever else. Right. And a lot of them become dependent 
and you know eventually become well that, I mean that's a whole that's a like whole other that's a whole other conversation in the sense that you know the the way that they pump um, people up with with medication they have no choice but to these be a lot of these people that go into that and they they have like something traumatically happened to them like they 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 you know, for lack of a better word, they break their back and they go to a doctor, whether you have a, a, a the addiction gene or not, you are not coming out of there. You, you're not going to be able to put on the medic, be put on the medication for any specific length of time. And then they go, okay, um, Monday, you're going to stop. And Tuesday, you'll be okay. You will be sick. And a lot of people can't, <clears throat> can't stop once they've started. Mm-hmm. But that's because it because it does something to you chemically, right? Now it says here, right. true diseases worsen if left untreated. Okay, well, th- I mean that's true. A patient with cancer is not cured if locked in a cell, whereas an alcoholic is automatically cured. <laughs> no I access say to cured. Maybe well. They- Yeah. When they get out, they are immediately going to go back to the drink. They're compelled to. Oh yes. Unless they, unless they have. If that was true, if that was true, well, well, if that was true, once an addict, always an addict, um, is a true statement, and that's a lie. That's a straight out lie. I used to say all the time, once an addict and always always an addict, I will die, you know, actively and, and that's a lie because I proved myself wrong. I mean, yeah, granted I, I, I say that I'm an addict today. Um, but it's a lie saying once an addict, always an addict. That lie is dead. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think we've seen that with enough yeah. people who have been able to stop successfully and live successful lives. Yeah. And I think so, that's one of the myths that's been perpetuated by AA, and people cling to that. And, you know, maybe that's not quite true. I know there are people who take opioids, for example, and they stop, and they can have a drink or two of alcohol and not mm. immediately start craving either the opioids or more alcohol. Right. Scary thought, but yeah, no, I, I get it. You know, and, and it says, um, you know, if they didn't use the word cured, it may make a little more sense because it says no access to alcohol means no alcoholism. Okay, so you could you could clarify yourself or classify yourself as an alcoholic, but you are not actively within the confines of alcoholism. It stops as soon right. as you stop drinking, right? A um, person with yeah, schizophrenia. True, but then, then you get the uh, alcoholic in recovery, although uh-huh. there are a lot of people who are classified as, for lack of a better term, dry drunks because they're not drinking anymore, but they're still exhibiting the unpleasant personality traits of mm-hmm. the drinker. They're just not drunk. Well, here's, here's one right here. Criminal courts do not hand down verdicts of not guilty by virtue of mental illness to drunk drivers who kill pedestrians. Nor should they. No. Whereas if if you were a schizophrenic and, you know, killed your mother or your sister or your brother or your neighbor, they could use the insanity defense by virtue of um, mental illness, where if they're classifying, you you know, you have to have 
very definitive proof. And I think some of those, you know, those mass murderers, like, for example, um, the guy that shot all those people in the theater in Colorado a few years ago. Yeah, he was obviously very mentally ill, but I think they still sent him to prison. Well, because because I guess they found him to be to to that he could differentiate differentiate the difference between right and wrong, and I think that's really what they look for. They don't look for somebody who's crackers and they want to put him, you know, in a in a in a loony bin. They want to make sure that this individual, yes, somebody that does that is crazy as the day is long, but they want to make sure that you know they're not using that to their benefit. So with that, we're going to pick this. We got. We're going to. We're going to uh, go to break, and I have a little bit more of the article to read, and um, we can talk about what else. And you know, the crazy guy that shot people up in Colorado. I guess. Give us a call eight six six four seven two five seven nine two. That's eight six six four seven two five seven nine two. Let us know what you think. We'll be back in a moment. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Tune in every Tuesday for C. diff, spores, and more with host Nancy Kerala. Our program is to provide information about C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and more. Nancy is a C. diff survivor, healthcare professional, and founder and executive director of the C. diff Foundation. Together with her guests, we'll explore C. diff infection prevention, treatments, environmental safety, and more. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent, inconsistency. Both healthcare providers and patients have to work around and get used to a constantly changing set of rules and issues. Nurses have historically been left out of this decision-making. Listen to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. Health professionals, we invite you to share your ideas and experiences while listening to experts in various areas of nursing. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Ready to transform your health and your world? Join host Melissa Alexander for Insight Living with Vitality. Melissa and her guests go behind the scenes on what it takes for practitioners and clients to transform themselves and others. She provides insight to medical procedural breakthroughs, available product resources, and explains lifestyle choices designed to improve and expand your vitality. It's time to get rid of that baggage, remove those blockages, and prevent buildup from hindering your progress in life. Tune in every Monday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that'll help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Miracles in Recovery. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to ray at miraclesinrecovery.org. 
now, back to this week's show. And we're back. Dial 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. I'm reading an article that I found um, about addiction not being a disease. And we'll read further into it and speak a little bit more about it. It says here the CMAJ looked at the brains of people with addiction after they had damaged them by their behavior. Brains were not examined in their pre-morbid state. And then it says a whole bunch of different crazy words. And it says, ironically, the title of the referenced article uses the term disorders, not diseases. Now, I remember you, we were, you know, goofily talking about the sudsy and all of that stuff. Yes, substance use disorder. I was going to bring that up. Well, maybe. Maybe that's one of the reasons that they're... Right. You know, they're using that type of terminology. Right. So, I mean, you, you kind of what ha- what happens when they when they uh, do a, do away with the word disease? Now, now we're going to have to change all the vernacular that people use um, to. I don't want to say justify their seat, saying it's a disease. I think you know. I, I've I have already. I mean, well, I take my will back a lot like I did earlier. Um, I have already succumbed to the fact that, you know, it's no, it's recognized as a disease. It's, it's, it's talked about as a disease, and I don't have a problem with saying, you know, being a drug addict, I have a disease. It's, it's you know, it's an arrested, it's an arrest, in, in an arrested state right now, but, um, you know, a disorder probably makes more sense. Now, substance use disorder, okay. Well, anyway, medicalizing addiction has not led to any management advances at the individual level. The that need for help, what? That is very true. Yeah. The need for helping and treating people with addictions is not in doubt. But a social problem requires social interventions. When we allow people to refer to addiction as a disease, we are placing it alongside things like cancer, and that is not fair at all. When people with cancer decide they want to be free of disease, they can't just detox their cancer away. True statement. No, getting off of drugs is not as easy as those who would have never used them may think, but at the end of the day, it is not comparable to any kind of disease. Yes, depending on the drug, the physical withdrawal might be hell, but that still doesn't put on the same level put it on the same level. What do you think addiction is? Do you agree? Now, there's a lot of good stuff in there. You know, a lot of good food for thought, you know, like when you said, you know, that substance uh, use disorder and I and I laughed and said, you know, people will use that as a crutch. Now, if the medical industry is morphing towards a disorder um, recognition, then we need to do something on the 
education piece of it so that there isn't there isn't that that um use of an excuse well you know? i think one of the ideas behind calling it substance use disorder and there were many as i said you know it's a statistical classification first and foremost and unfortunately we pay on it that's how we get paid in the united states is by that code that diagnosis code of substance use disorder but um that said, I think part of it was to destigmatize the disorder itself. Because right now, when you call someone an addict, you know, the, the immediate thought that pops into most people's head is, you know, a trashy person, no morals, they're going to steal from me, you know, they're horrible people. Right. You know, which is all true. Society, uh, which and, is you all true. But the individual that is looking at the quote-unquote diseased or disordered person is not using the classification for um, justifiable purposes for, for claiming their seat. It's easy for an addict to rely on it. Hold, hold on. It's easy for an addict to rely on the phrase uh, disease to claim their seat in the sense of, you know, there are a lot of people who struggle with what they've done to get there, like what their past, what what their um, horror story has brought, where, right. where their horror story has brought them. Now, right. with it being a disorder, to me, that kind of frees up a little bit of, or gives me a whole heck of a lot more responsibility, because when when it's when it's being called a disease, I can just throw the crutch out there. Well, I'm not responsible for for my using. I'm responsible for what I'm doing, uh, what I do now. Yes, and there are consequences many times with the things that, you know that happen that people do while they're in the throes of using. You know the the legal consequences the ostracism from the family consequences, the loss of marriage, the loss of children, all of those are consequences right. for that use. And there is no excuse, really. You know, I cannot imagine as a mother that anything would have ever been more important to me than my children. No drug would have ever taken me away from them. It's just um, not possible. Me, well, you know something, I, I, I've I've had conversations with many a woman who have said the same thing and they have to come in with their tail between their legs saying, you know, it beat me. Um, well, but so, you know, if, if we are saying it is not an inherited disease, it, it is a choice. And I make the choice to do that rather than care for my children. Then, yes, they should be taken away from me. I just cannot imagine. Oh, right. Yeah, and no, I always I say it. it's stronger than a mother's love. Yeah, I get it. But that, that, is, that is one of the consequences. And unfortunately, you know, the consequences are suffered not just by the person who is using the substance, but by anyone who loves them. And a lot of times, society at large. Yeah. Uh-huh. But, you know... Um I, like like I was like I was saying about the you know the disease and the and the disorder, a lot of times when you're in in detox or when you are in a confined um, educational time frame, uh, the word disease is used uh, to help you to help you understand a little bit about 
where you uh, where your mindset is right there. Like, I know when they first told me it was a disease, I went, oh, well, cool. I mean, now, now no, I, I have, I have, this is my well, disease, it's the disease. Right. Yeah, and and I have justification until I could understand really what that word was, and that I that I understood it was for like funding purposes, and I understood it was for research and and all of that stuff. But today I can look at it and say, yeah, it, it was a disorder. I mean, because it's it is immediately arrested as soon as it is, as it is taken away, physically. Once it's out of your system, it's immediately arrested, and you know. Cancer, like they say, you you can't detox cancer. You can't, and I'm sure there are educated people out there that would be able to justifiably put me in my place by letting me know, you know, why it is why it is called a disease and and you know what the the parameters are and all of that. But the important thing for me is 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 that um, I know that I ruined my life. I know that, you know, I was going in all the wrong directions. I I pushed my family to the brink of madness and um it was all due to the use and abuse of uh, of uh, a certain chemical. Um with that being said, as soon as I said enough is enough, as soon as I got to my saturation point, that was the only time that I could grow. Now, if it was indeed a the true uh, Webster's version of a disease, then it would still be progressing inside me. And a lot of people say, you know, and I know that, you know, within eight hours, if I use, I'll be back in the hospital. That's just the way that I used it when I came in. It's not going to be any different. Guilt is going to make me do 10 times worse immediately. That has nothing to do well, with. I've always the heard that it's disease. progressing in your body, whether you're using it or not. That's guilt. Yeah, that, that's, that's not one of that's the. That's one of the AA that, sayings, though. I've, yeah. I heard my mother-in-law say that over and over and over. Again. Right, right, but that's but that's but that's guilt. That's not that's not uh, a disease. It's not like this gorilla is growing inside of me. No, it's arrested. It says that right in the teachings as well. It's arrested. So how can it be growing and be arrested? Guilt as soon as you use, yeah, as guilt as soon as you use will blow you away because of all of the teachings that you have been taught and all of the days that you have been walking this path when you choose to use again, guilt is the thing that's going to kill you. Guilt is the thing that won't allow you to come back in that door. And that's why they say it's progressive. I get it. But it's not growing in me today. I'm 29 years clean. So that means the monster that I had when I stopped using February 28, 1989, is 29 years greater inside of me. Why hasn't it taken me over yet? I'm an addict. It's a good good day to get high. You know what I mean? That's a very good question. And I don't know that people ask it often enough. You know, when I'm sitting in my meetings, I I can tell you at least three people are going to say, this is a family disease, and they right. use the word disease. The whole family gets sick. Right. If I said and, that you know, in an open, if I said that in an open environment of of recovering people, sadly, if there were twenty there, seven would jump on that 
and use that in a negative way. So that's why, you know, you need to have the awarenesses that you have. And I mean, now, now I'm telling that to the world, but I'm not in the, I'm not in a, uh, the confines of a, uh, a recovery unit. I would never express this within, within the confines of a recovery unit because it goes against the teachings. It goes against what, what we believe in. But the reality is that there are people out there that, um, choose to think it's a disorder versus a disease. Now, and what I was saying about, you know, the disease growing inside me, that lie is dead too because there's no way that that animal is still, because it would need some kind of a release. It's not like this big ogre that's, that's um, there's a guilt ogre, I'm sure, because as soon as I open that door, when I use, all that guilt is going to come flooding out. And that's why people run. That's why people don't come back. It's not because their disease progressed to 29 years down the road. It's because I know if, if I chose to use, it would be guilt that kept me out there. It would be feeling less than. All of that stuff would come back flooding back in again. Yes, it doesn't mean that the monster inside of me has grown. And that makes a lot I, of sense because if it yeah. had, you'd be dead. Or, yeah, exactly. Or I'd be acting out in different ways. I'd be robbing banks or I'd be, you know, I'd be doing something um, destructive because that's what it is. Right. It's, a self, it's a self-destructive disease. It doesn't want me alive. So have I been dodging a bullet for 29 years? No, I, 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 I did what I do what is laid out for me on a daily basis. So... Does that mean that tomorrow I have to do twice as much? No, I just have to do what I did today. So I, well, you know, I think the same goes for the families. Right. I think the same right. goes for the families. If I do what I've been told to do every day, no matter what, you know, no matter whether my person with substance use disorder is using or not, mm-hmm. I should be able to lead a productive, fairly, you know, decent life. Now, is that possible? Yes and no. You know, some people manage to do it better than others. Right, right. But it would, it, you know, given the, given the, uh, um, it's it's a growing, you know, fatal disease. Yes, I, I get that. But uh, the animal isn't going to come out on me, and you know, I'm I'm going to go get high, and my head's going to blow up because this big monster's, you know, I'm I, I'm I turned seven foot tall, and I'm a big ogre. Um, I, but I understand that, you know what I mean? Because if I didn't, if I didn't use that as a tool of repair or a tool of positive, uh, positivity, I never would have gotten to where I am. So I absolutely right. understand what it is when they say that, you know, it's a progressive disease and it, it doesn't, it doesn't let you, it, it's, it's a, um, it's unforgiving, put it that way. It's an unforgiving disorder because if you, if you pick up, it's going to let you know, Hey, here I am. And yeah. I don't necessarily know that you physically get hooked again in, in the first do, but you will mentally get hooked again. Here I am. So, you know, that part of it's real. I I just you know I I don't want to, um, just crap all over the teachings of a recovery program because I read an article about it not being a disease. I can jump on either side. I can I can justify justify it being a disease. I can justify it being a disorder, and um, 
my mind will flip flop back and forth to allow me to make each uh, each point valid. So with that, well, think- we, uh, go. We're gonna we're gonna uh, go to break real quick. So um, dial eight six six four seven two five seven nine two. That's eight six six four seven two five seven nine two. We'll be back in a moment. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Are you tired of the healthcare system only treating your symptoms and never addressing the root cause? Discover how integrative medicine can resolve health issues through dietary and lifestyle changes and the use of natural supplements. Increase your energy, memory, mood, immune system, sexuality, and more. Join Dr. Sunil Pai and Maureen Sutton to help you take back your health with natural, evidence-based solutions. Tune in every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness Channel. Have you figured out what to attract in your life in order to make it successful? There are those who can and those who can learn. Your intensified energy gives you willpower to move the bar forward and be happy. Happy people spread their energy throughout their lives, and once they figure it out, go on to be successful at nearly everything they set their mind to. Join host Ellen Morano and her panel of guest experts and co-hosts on Generate Massive Energy for a Fulfilling Life, Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Health and Wellness. When a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer, it's probably the most frightening thing that's ever happened to her. Friends and family often don't know what to do for support, not to mention the patient herself. That's where Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio comes in. Join Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin, breast cancer survivors and advocates. They help by providing inspiration, information, and most of all, hope. Tune in Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. We got the Is your health where you think it should be? If you're like most people, the answer is probably not. Where can you get the answers you need to get on the right track? The answers start on Occupy Health. Each week, host Dr. Susan Downs and her guest experts will answer your questions as well as prepare you for questions you'll want to ask your health provider. You'll want to plan for your optimal health with Occupy Health. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Miracles in Recovery. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to ray at miraclesinrecovery.org. Now, back to this week's show. Hey, welcome back. And uh, like I said, I'm in the studio. Ellen is at at home. At least she's close. I mean, last time I talked, we were on the air. You were in North Carolina. So you're slowly getting back into the studio. It's just uh, a long drive, I guess. So um, we were speaking about the difference between, uh, you know, uh, addiction being a disease or a disorder. Um, No matter how you look at it, if you want to classify it as a disorder, <clears throat> I mean, it is 
you are acting disorderly when you're doing it. I mean, if you have all your cards in a row and all of a sudden you introduce alcohol, they get a little bit out of order. So, you know, I, I, I get I get the reason why people don't want to embrace the word disease because of what, you know, the people put in the article um, makes, makes sense, makes clinical sense. And I also get the fact that it is called a disease because it allows the addict to, the addict or alcoholic to embrace something um, and it gives them a little bit of hope that, or gives me a little bit of hope that it was something greater than myself propelling me forward into this madness. And it just wasn't, you know, like a chaotic choice that I just kept making. There was a point where I, the choice stopped. The choice started, the, the, my choice stopped the first time I used heroin because I didn't physically get addicted to it. But mentally, that day, I was hooked. So... Is there something in my chemical makeup that that did that? Okay, I'm not going to argue that. Um, was it a disorder in my thought process in my in my psyche? Okay, I'm not going to argue that. I'm just going to raise my hand and say, you know, I'm fortunate enough that I made it through the storm and and I uh, I embrace recovery today. And and with that, my life has become tenfold greater than than my wildest dreams i never thought i always thought when i was a kid that i'd be you know that and and everybody says that you know being that grandfather out on a on a rocking chair with a with a shawl smoking a pipe or, or you know smoking a weed or drinking beer or something like that i i crushed that dream the first time i tried heroin i crushed it that would that that dream was gone because i was going to be that old junkie guy you know and that's <laughs> and there what, are too well, many old junkies no that was my mindset from that day forward until i could get out of my own way enough to uh realize that you know enough is enough well, one of the things that the article pointed out, and I think it's kind of interesting, is that it is a society problem. And I think yeah. that's very true. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it became okay and cool to use alcohol and drugs probably in the 60s, in the 1960s. Mm-hmm. Because I can remember, you know, I'm, I'm old enough to remember, I didn't start high school until 1970, and there were... A little, there was a little bit of drugs in my high school, not much, right? and drinking. But I think the decade before, people didn't even do that. It was not socially acceptable. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's when it became cool that a lot of people got kind of sucked into it and couldn't find their way out. Right, Until they right. had done terrible things. Well, I don't think there was any, you know, and, and I've said this before, like, you know, Officer... Stevie coming in with the with the green board and all the uh, little substances wired to it, saying don't use marijuana because it's not good for you, or these are pills, don't use those, don't use these. There was no basis of use at that time. So because right. it was it was a free society where you know that was was turning into the hippie society, and there was a lot of drugs and love and all of that stuff that we were growing up into. 
um, we didn't see the damage until it really set in. You know, we yeah, I don't I think remember. The next generation, it was our children yeah. who have really, really suffered with it more because blown it, it out of the gate. Yeah, cool. Uh-huh. You yeah. know, and and there were more drugs that were available other than just alcohol. Right, and it's not cool. I mean, when you, I thought at times when you know, I can think back, think back at times when I was using and I was having fun doing what it was that I was doing. But it, I can only imagine how much fun I would have been able to have if I wasn't handcuffed to the substance that I was using. I could never go anywhere without having some kind of a three-hour plan, you know. Yeah. I could I could make it to New York and that was it you know so I I thought that I was enjoying life doing what I was doing but man was I so handcuffed and you know the thing about it is is that when you look back in the in the 60s and the late 60s they weren't experiencing that like right out in your face Right. And today, today it's 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 awful. Well, you can't meet anybody who hasn't been affected by it in some way, shape, or form—a relative, a friend, a, you know, a spouse, whatever. Everybody's been touched by it now. And yeah. you know, if you think back to the '60s, that's when the social unrest really started too. True. So maybe maybe it is a society issue. I know there were there there have always been problems with alcohol, and you know the the opioid problem kind of waxes and wanes. I think they used it extensively during the Civil War for pain management. Yeah. And, you know, then it became a problem, and somehow they managed to take it down a few notches. And then, you know, it just keeps rearing its head. You know, the opium dens in California, way back Uh in the early part of the century. You know, the housewives hooked on laudanum. Yeah, I was going to say that. And then Uh it comes back. But it's yeah. back in, in such a huge way now. The sad thing is, is, is now that it's back, it's not going away. And and the thing is, is maybe, you know, when we were talking in, in the last segment about that monster growing, that's the monster that's growing. The the active, the active opioid, um, what would you call that? Like, like globe of just of doom because well, yeah, it's it, an it goes away. You know, it, it came, it went away, it came, it went away, it came, it went away, and man, is it banged in here now. And I don't see any end in sight. The only the only thing I see is is hope for, you know, the people who have, have not um, entertained it yet. I mean that's that's where I that's where the chain can only be broken because that monster is so great. That addiction um, animal is so great out there that how do you get away from it? It's not just going to go away. No, and and if you're vulnerable, you're an easy target for it. And Absolutely. it doesn't just affect you. It affects anybody who cares about you. And that's that's the sad thing. You know, they say one addict affects at least five other people, and I've found that to be very true. At least yeah, five Yeah, I think others. it's a little more than that, but yeah. But I, I could say yeah. that I could say, uh, in my case, one addict affected a neighborhood. Yeah. You know? So, 
um, throw, throw about 10 or 15 of those together on a corner. And man, did we do some destructive behavior to the community that we lived in. And it was more than 10 or 15. It was, it was tens of 15. And you know, the, 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 the bad thing is, is that I look and I've seen it progress so much greater than when, like I, even just commercials on TV, like there, there's alcohols out there that I've never even drank. That's how, I mean, that's how long, that's how long ago, um, I've chose to use, but, uh, you know, so that's uh, the whole addiction and alcoholism has morphed into something so much greater than, than when I, when I stepped off the bus. So maybe, when you know they say that that disease grows, it may not be growing individually in me, but all around me, it is sure more powerful than it was. And that's where, if I step back on the bus, all that guilt will come hammering in, and all of these new um, isms will start taking place. Well, I think that's why we have to look at society as a whole. What what is going on that we've got this global epidemic? Of people who are addicted to horrible, scary, you know, terminal substances. Why? Fully knowing you, fully knowing you're going to walk down that path, you know, and lying to yourself, saying, "No, no." Why would somebody even try to smoke spice when you see in the paper that somebody did it and they ran around down in Miami naked and chewed someone's face off? Why would you even try it? Because somebody it, says it's cool. No, because when I was using heroin and people were dying in the city next to us, we would say they're lightweights. They don't know what they're doing. We can do that and be okay. And we would go try to find what it was that they were using. That's the <laughs> yeah. madness. That's the madness of of what uh, substance abuse does to your to your thinking. That is a diseased thought process. That's Definitely. not a dis- that's not a disorder at that at that point. That's a diseased thought process. Now, why would somebody willfully go into a store or however you get that whatever it is that these guys are chewing each other's faces off with? Why would you even try that? Because your mental mindset. Or your mental illness says to you, that's not going to happen to you. You'll be okay and you'll enjoy it. And that is where the disease factor comes in because it's not of... It's not of common thought. It's not of sound mind. It's it's, uh, uh, irrational judgment all the way through. And and the sad thing is, is that, you know, yes, it can be arrested. It's immediately arrested if you're taking the substance away and, and you know, you mentally get yourself back up and, and, you know, but at that point when you are actively running crazy, you have a diseased mind. So I guess, yeah, I, and, you I know, think you're right. So, I mean, I guess in closing, we got about four minutes or so to wrap it up. I guess in closing, you know, when I was, when in the first segment, when I was agreeing with the gentleman who was, or or lady, about it not being a disease, it being a disorder, because it can, you know, once you take it away, it's not like cancer. Cancer can't detox. Um, I get all that. I, 
maybe they haven't experienced what it is to be an addict, what it is to be an active addict, and what it is to have that irrational thought process. I, I don't know how else to say that. And if somebody wants to wrap that in a nice little pretty little bun and say that's a disease, then I have to raise my hand. And but it you know I think it is also a disorder, and maybe the two are interchangeable. Oh, very much so. You know, very much so. And 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 now I can look back and I do a lot of disorderly things during the day, um, because I allow uh, my irrational thought process to come in. I do some you know disorderly things, but I don't have a diseased thought process today. You know, because if I did, I wouldn't be standing here talking about it. I would be out there running around like a nut. If I was lucky, you'd be dead. Yeah, well, that's it. If 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 I was unlucky, I would be running around like a nut because I would be dead. You know, and I'm I'm grateful that we can come on the show like this and just have a common conversation about something. You know. And and somebody's probably out there going, they don't know what they're talking about, and they're wrong, and they're this and they're that, you know. But I'm grateful today that I can have a I can have a conversation about what's on my mind and not have to worry about what anybody says about it. So uh, we are kind of out of time. And uh, with that, Ellen, with miracles and recovery, miracles and recovery, hope is in your corner. That it is. Enjoy your evening. Good night, everybody. Good night. Thank you for joining us this week for Miracles in Recovery. Be sure to listen again for another edition with your host, Ray Lynch, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel next Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a great week. Hope is in your corner.